I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. This is Larry Connors USA. Larry Connors USA. We want a bipartisan, nonpartisan investigation to this because it can never happen again. Uh, listen, I understand when you've got CRISPR technology, when gain of function is possible, uh, the United States government, we need to understand uh, what can happen with it. We need to be prepared to defend ourselves against it. But we certainly shouldn't be funding research that then is shared with anybody in China. Hmm. This has to be completely and tightly controlled. It wasn't. It was incredibly sloppy. People like Anthony Fauci are culpable here. And again, they need to be held accountable. They do need to be held accountable. Millions of deaths. That is Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson saying we want some accountability on what happened with COVID. And in particular, what the U.S. was doing, along with the Wuhan lab, through Dr. Fauci and others, with U.S. taxpayer dollars, in gain-of-function investigation of viruses. Now, stop for one moment. Let me remind you, this is March 3rd, 2023. Glad to have you on board with us. When we talk about gain of function, it is important to know what kind of viruses might be released upon us, and then we have a way to fight them back. But when you're doing it with China, one of your adversaries, is there any common sense there? The answer is no, repeatedly. No, no, no. Now we have Senator Marshall Blackburn, Republican of Tennessee, telling Joe Biden, you need to threaten China with sanctions unless they are fully transparent about this coronavirus. And... When we're going to see that, who knows? You would think Democrats should want the same things that she asked for and Senator Johnson, that we could be united on this front. Could we not be united, that we want to know exactly what was going on in the lab and also the cover-up and who all was involved in the cover-up? And that includes those inside this nation. That's what we should be asking for. There was a PBS series that aired two years ago, two years ago, and even then, PBS was acknowledging it might not have come from a wet market. Listen. Everyone knew it was human-to-human transmission. Even a fool would know. It's a perfect storm of multiple failures happening at the same time. The first instinct of the authorities is always to cover up. My guess is that the order to not do anything unusual came from the very top. And what they told the world. The authorities have reported 27 cases. By the time we knew that it was transmissible human to human, the cat really was out of the bag. That was the shot we had, and we lost it. Now, that sounded like Dr. Fake, but it wasn't. It was someone else saying we had a chance, but we'd missed our opportunity. And why did we miss an opportunity? Because the storyline that was going around was, one, it did not come from Wuhan. It was not from China. And Trump was just demonizing China and people who were yellow-colored. That had nothing to do with it. And then, of course, you had the conspiracy of the state-controlled media shutting down anyone on social media or any other source. If you dared say... This was created in the lab. I've told you previously, I'll repeat again. 
former director of the CDC, Redfield said, in his opinion, for scientists to claim that this came from an animal, he finds it disgusting they would even consider that. In his words, this was clearly a virus that was educated in a lab to attack human viruses. We have suspected that for a long time, have we not? So now we have the DOE saying, well, we believe it probably came from a lab. Minimal confidence. The FBI admitting we believe it came from a lab. Moderate confidence. Bottom line is, it came from a lab. Now the question is, how did it get out? And what role did we play in it getting out or working on it and then in turn covering it up and demonizing anyone that dared to dared question what was going on? Well, as you well know, the Conservative Political Action Conference is underway in D.C. again. Has not been there for the last two years because of COVID. Now it's back in D.C., and we're hearing from some of those we would expect to be there. But at the same time, there are some that are not going to show up. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former Vice President Mike Pence, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, even Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, and South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem. They're seen as possible 2024 hopefuls, but they're staying away. One aide to one of those leaders, and I'm not sure which one it was because they're being anonymous about it, said 10 years ago CPAC was an opportunity to test your messages to conservative leaders and influencers all over the country. He said the last time I was there, it felt more like a college crowd than it did a serious thinker crowd. He may be right. And we've got numerous speakers already blasting what's been going on and complaining about it. The one star that they keep saying is a real rock star, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yep, they're rushing around her looking for autographs. But on the floor of the House, you hear Congressman Chip Roy of Texas blasting fellow Republicans for failing in their job. A group of Republicans who campaign on securing the border, who run away in abject surrender, refusing to actually do it. That's the question before us right now. That's the question for every member of the Republican conference. I'm speaking to you. If you do not secure the border now, now, you are giving up any argument you have for the American people to put their faith in you. Will Republicans honor their campaign commitments to secure the border, yes or no? It is as simple as that, yes or no. And we all can name some Republicans who are failing on that point and others as well. Coming up, transgender laws. Numerous states already banning or at least restricting a child undergoing puberty or transgender surgery. Can you believe a child before they can even speak, would believe they're an opposite gender? A child that cannot even speak believes it's an opposite gender? Lock and load. Ready on the right. Hundreds of homeowners and businesses had or will have water main breaks. Wellington Environmental has a warning. You can clean up the water. 
But if you're not checking areas where the water leaked in the walls where you can't see it, you could end up exposing your family, your employees, your clients to hazardous mold. Wellington Environmental reminds you, if that mold is not detected, properly treated, removed, that is a risk, a liability you do not want. Wellington clients, including hospitals and schools, trust Wellington to make their environments safe. Call 314-644-4930. 644 AAA rating with the Better Business Bureau. 314-644-4930. Wellington Environmental. Your world. Cleaner. Better. Safer. Be well with Wellington. You can text Larry right now at Larry Connors USA Facebook. Larry Connors USA Facebook. is Larry Connors USA. Larry Connors USA. Our daughter is 10 years old. Um, she started letting us know that um, she was transgender really um, before she could even speak. She would do things like wear her sister's clothes, um, pretend that towels were her long hair, and when she was about three years old, um, she started to withdraw and become depressed. So we started doing some research. We um, talked to her pediatrician. For us, gender-affirming care so far is has just been um, a social transition, using the correct pronouns, um, letting Kieran grow her hair long, you know, letting her pick her clothes from the girls' section. That is a mother talking about her daughter, or actually born a son, but she's calling her a daughter. Let me make something really clear here. When we talk about kids who are confused about their gender identity, if they're legitimately confused, they need help. And I don't want to do anything to destroy a child, period. But I also don't want woke predators preying upon an opportunity. And transgender surgery, boy, we make a lot of money on that. Let's kind of push them there. And even puberty-blocking drugs, they're expensive. Let's push them that direction. Those that are doing that kind of pushing, I hope you're rotten hell if that's what you're doing. If you're legitimately trying to help a child find if they truly believe or they sense or they think they might be another gender, God be with you and the child and the parents. You know, on one hand, let's stop. Let's put it on such a common understanding for most folks, please. You have one kid who does just great in school and really works at it. The other one has the same opportunities, same school, 
but just as indifferent, and then start hanging with the wrong crowd, and pretty soon it's into drugs and doing this and doing that. Still your child. You love that child. You don't love what they're doing. And you're thinking, why can't they be the same? Well, God made us all different, first of all. And it's a choice. Many who are, quote, truly transgender, and I'm accepting that they say they are, they say it's not a choice. Same thing with homosexuality. It's not a choice. It's just if it were my choice, my life would be easier if I weren't. I've heard that numerous times. I don't necessarily dispute it, but I do worry that when you're talking about, as this mother said, she started letting us know she was transgender. She's talking about her son, calling her she, because that's what they've agreed to on pronouns, right, at this time, because the daughter-child is now 10 years old. She started letting us know she was transgender really before she could even speak. There is no way in hell a child could know and suspect that at that point. No. They see a sister that has long hair and takes a towel and wraps it around their head and plays like that's her hair, or they dress up, they dress up in their clothing. That's kids. They're being kids. You want, me, you want me to confess something to you, really? Seriously? I've mentioned this, I think, once before, so maybe you've heard it if you have. So be it. I might have been five, I'm guessing, from where we were living. Mom had a bunch of ladies over for a coffee clutch or whatever they did in the morning. I was off in my room playing. I went into her bathroom, and I saw nail polish, bright red nail polish. I sat there and painted all my little toenails red. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then I walked into them and said, Mommy, look. And they all and they all started laughing and giggling, and then she just oh Larry, and she took me back, took toenail polish, and took it off. Did I think I was a girl? No. Was I trying to become a girl? No. I just thought mommy did it. I put it on. That doesn't mean that's what I thought. I can promise you, I didn't think that. I would assume the mother knows this child better than I do, so I'm not trying to dispute the mom, but to say that she knew she was transgender before she could speak. Now, she does say they're talking to a pediatrician. Unfortunately, a lot of pediatricians have been given advice by the Academy of Pediatrics to affirm, affirm, affirm. But she does add that for us, gender-affirming care so far has been just using the correct pronouns, letting her son, girl, grow her hair long, pick her clothing from the girl's section. No puberty blockers or anything like that. All right. Maybe that's the way to go. They're talking to... Supposedly a professional has the child's welfare at best interest. Maybe in two years they'll decide to go the other way. But once you start puberty blockers, that becomes very difficult. And that's the real issue. Now, here's a this is part of a PBS special. I need to give them credit for it. They did the special on it. And I got to tell you, from my view of it, it was pretty slanted that we have to just basically accept uh, kids are going to be transgender is going to be a common norm. It doesn't have to be it. It's not. But anyway, here's a parent of a son, daughter, again. When our son was growing up, he was an active kid, liked to go play basketball, ride his bike, do all kinds of things outside, climb the walls even. Um, And then as he grew near uh, adolescence and puberty, um, things got more distressing. Uh, He began began to uh, have lots of anxiety, 
severe depression, began to self-harm. He was even hospitalized for suicidal ideation. So times were really very uh, tough for a while. Um, a little bit later, as a teen, he realized what had been nagging at him all this time was that really he wasn't a girl as we thought, but he was really a boy. Maybe so. I don't know. Then you've got a, uh, another parent talking about their seven-year-old. And listen how this developed. When my son transitioned at the age of seven, it was not something that was particularly eventful. It involved him changing his name, changing his pronouns. Suddenly, when I went to Target, instead of going to the girls' section, I went to the boys' section. As he gets older, what we're looking at is um, first puberty blockers, so medication that would prevent puberty from happening in the natural course at its core really to buy us time. What we don't want is to have unnecessary and sometimes invasive surgeries. And so we want to be able to push a pause button to make sure that we're not making these decisions at young ages, at ages like 11, 12, 13. I think that's you know, if they're dealing with that, I like her phrase to push a pause button. We're not rushing into surgery. They think puberty blocking drugs might be a good idea. I'm not so sure of that, but again, that's between them and their doctor. And, of course, the child. We currently have uh, some states that have already passed thing, bills that basically would make any effort to transgender a child by surgery. Our puberty blockers would become illegal. Missouri's doing that. Uh, and looking at the Washington University Transgender Care Clinic, based upon information from a whistleblower, state of Tennessee just did it. And in fact, the House Speaker of Tennessee was talking about why they did it and what their concern is. There's a difference between a child who is younger than 18 making that decision compared to someone who's an adult making that decision. And so we're going to err on the side of saying if you're an adult and that's what you want to do, go at it. But as a child, you're telling me that a 10, 11, and 12-year-old child absolutely knows what gender that they want to be. I do not believe that. That decision should be left later in adult life. In other words, push the pause button. Maybe you go along with pronouns or dressing. I would not move my thought. Don't go into puberty blockers. But again, that's going between you and your doctor. And hopefully you're doing truly what's best for the child. And the doctor isn't looking at dollars coming and connections in my linkage and referring someone to a transgender clinic. If you are a pediatrician and you're just simply going to blanketly accept that the, you should be affirming, affirming every time a child comes in, doctor, you need to be reschooled. You're not really giving the child the possibility that it might be wrong. PBS also had on their program a uh, transition advocate, Erin Reed, and her thoughts on legislation. There are over 400 bills that I am tracking that target the LGBT community, primarily the trans community. And a good 
third of them target the medical care of transgender youth, and in some cases, transgender adults. They essentially will ban things like puberty blockers, hormone therapy, and in some cases, surgery um, from this population. In many cases, they will tell doctors precisely how they should medically detransition these transgender youth by withdrawing them from their medication systematically. And so that's what I'm tracking, and that's what's moving around the country right now. Now, that systematically withdrawing medication and under instructions and orders to do it, there may be an issue there. But rushing to judgment that the child, because they dress that way, they want to be that, that maybe just go ahead and affirm the child, that I'm still going to put down my foot on it. But Reed does point something out that we know is true. You may not consider it a fear campaign, but we know the results of it. There has been a sustained fear campaign waged against the transgender community and the LGBTQ community as a whole. You know, for the better part of two years now, we've heard the groomer slur. We've heard that we are dangerous around kids, that children should not be exposed to LGBTQ people, LGBTQ topics, identities, that we're dangerous in bathrooms, that... You know, and I think that this fear campaign that has been waged has gotten through and has been utilized in a political manner. And it's unfortunate because it's targeting families that very clearly care deeply about their kids, that are following the best medical guidelines that they know how, that are working with their care teams, doctors and therapists, and that are seeing the results in their kids, that are seeing the the improved lives. Transgender people could not be in public. We could not exist in public safely. And so, yes, of course, you know, rates of detransition were so much higher back then because we were not allowed to be ourselves and The idea that we would treat these parents as abusers and take their kids away from them, it's heart-wrenching. It would be heart-wrenching if you're truly caring about your child, but in some cases, parents get duped into it. I understand the fear factor. We've seen it reference homosexuals and lesbians in general. We saw it against blacks, and many, some, if they were light enough, they would try to pass as white. So we know that kind of fear and demonization exists. But here's another issue. Complaining about the government not letting you do what you want to do with your child? There's another part of that question coming up. Ackerman Toyota wishing you a great 2023. But Jay Ackerman knows that times are tough for some. So Jay has a mission to help charities that truly make a difference. Food banks, veterans groups, charities battling cancer, head injuries. Jay wants to give back to the community. So I personally ask you to consider his mission when you're shopping for a car. AckermanToyota.com. Ackerman Toyota at Hampton and Interstate 44. Ackerman Toyota for life. There is a great story about how John Beal Roofing got started. I encourage you to read it at their website, johnbealroofing.com. That 1947 story leads to three generations of the Beal family repairing, replacing, Roofs on homes and businesses. Read the story at johnbealroofing.com. And when you need roofing help, support my sponsor, John Beal. Call 1-800-NEW-ROOF. 1-800-NEW-ROOF.
This is Larry Connors USA. Larry Connors USA. We are, of course, hearing from Republicans and have for some time that they have numerous whistleblowers coming forward to show how the FBI and other federal agencies have been weaponized, politicized by the Democrats. House Judiciary Democrats are fighting back. They are. They just released a 300-page report saying that some of these witnesses are identifying they're not really individuals. They don't present any actual evidence of any wrongdoing at the Justice Department or the FBI. That is, again, according to the Democrats who wrote their own 300-page report to say that the whistleblowers are just uh, blowing air. Might as well say that. No real whistle. No crime here. That's what they're saying. You didn't really think they were just going to roll over and take these complaints of these issues, did you? Now, what we need to do, of course, is get everything public, because we remember how Adam Schiff handled his investigation of the Russian collusion always coming out. So, well, I can't tell you exactly what's coming on, going to happen, but it's going to be bad for Trump. And then when the transcripts were released, no one had anything really to say. But they didn't have to lie under oath when they were inside behind closed doors but they could lie to you and they did and a lot of the folks and of course the state controlled media bought it up well these whistleblowers claim they have evidence that yes the FBI and DOJ have been politicized and other agencies as well we'll find out when the hearings start because they're going to make them public But the House Democrats are not going to simply roll over. There's a word coming out that raises questions about what Vladimir Putin said last week. He praised the resilience of his nation's economy as they continue their war and deal with the sanctions imposed by the West. At last report, we have something like 13,000 sanctions, 11,000 to 13,000 sanctions issued by Western countries against Russia, freezing some $300 billion of Russian foreign reserves. But cracks are beginning to show, and how well the Russian economy is doing. Russia is cutting oil production this month. Look for more sanctions. Now, China has thrown the Kremlin an economic lifeline by buying some Russian energy. And we do know a mysterious fleet is helping Russia ship oil around the world, And that continues to grow. But a Russian oligarch who is often outspoken and making his point very clear, this billionaire who had called for an end to Moscow's war in Ukraine in the early days of the conflict, he said there will be no money. We need foreign investors. He said we have to do it if we do not get money from other places. Other investors, and I guess he's talking about more than just China. Russia could find itself with no money. If that's going to be the situation, that is obviously not going to help Russia as it continues its efforts. So the sanctions apparently are having some effect upon Russia. But as usual, as usual in something like this, it's not the Russian government that's going to suffer. It's the Russian people. And they have suffered a lot, as have the Ukrainians. And don't forget, the Russian people were lied to by their leaders when they said, we're just going for a training exercise, we're not going to be invading. And they told that to the Biden administration, and they 
accepted it. Yeah, we believe that. Stupidity all the way around. All right, now to pick up on our previous segment concerning the PBS special on parents of transgender children. Here are the states banning or preparing to restrict gender-affirming care for minors. Missouri, Montana, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Texas. Some have already taken action, some are planning additional action, and some are just starting action, and other states are lining up to protect minors. And yet the PBS special focused on parents who have trans kids and saying that our kids know what they want and we're going to help them get it. But the government is causing us issues. It's been really tough on us as a family. The idea that the state of Indiana wants to take away our rights as parents to make medical decisions for our kid with our doctors. And it's really painful. Here comes the legislature saying, okay, your child's been living as a girl for seven years, but they can't, they can't go on puberty blockers when they hit puberty because we think it's best that they don't. When you have healthcare professionals who are working with you, who have gotten to know you, who have been talking about plans months and years out, understanding what that is going to look like and helping you to plan that road ahead to know what it is that you're looking towards, to think that you could then lose that and that the government could be telling you that they know better than this entire team of people to stop you from accessing life-saving medical care. That in and of itself is terrifying. Those are some of the parents appearing on a PBS special dealing with transgender surgery and the numerous pieces of legislation that are circulating to try to stop and criminalize and charge any doctor and our parents in some cases if they are putting their kids on puberty blockers or transgender surgery when they're still minors. This argument that the government can't be doing that, where are these kinds of arguments been from these same people when it came to you being ordered to get a COVID shot? Where has it been when anything that you think you should be able to decide medically, you say the government's interfering? Now, I know I can hear already, I can hear already those who are pro-choice are saying, well, there's another perfect example where the government's interfering. But the difference there is, by aborting a baby, you are affecting not just your life, you as a woman, but the baby you're carrying. These parents and their children, of course, the decisions they make also affect their children. But if they think their child has reached a point where they truly are moving to be a transgender, they want to assist them, and they think that maybe it will make their life better. They're constantly being sold the story. They're sold the story that 
your child might be suicidal if they don't get to make this change. And they claim that the story that some who have gone through puberty blockers or have surgery want to reverse everything, and now they become suicidal because they can't go back. I think the bottom line, if you just try to, if we're going to draw a line, say if you're a minor, which currently would, for the most part, be under 18, you cannot make that decision. And no doctor and no facility should be assisting in helping a child transgender at that age, with or without parental permission. If we try to set something as solid as that, maybe, maybe that would answer this issue. Or maybe not. You are listening to Larry Connors, USA. Wow, already 2023, and we're getting closer to opening Napoli Sea. Unique, exquisite, focusing on the finest, freshest seafood, lobster, crab, the best caviar, with a variety of fish specials. Napoli Sea, right next door to Napoli 3 on the streets of St. Charles. Easy to satisfy your seafood craving or the finest Italian food. Napoli Sea, coming soon. Joining Napoli 3 in St. Charles, Town and & Country, and Clayton. This is Larry. Larry Connors, USA. Larry Connors, USA. On February 23rd, a Mexican force outnumbering or numbering in the thousands and led by General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana began a siege of the fort. The Texas forces held out for 13 days, outgunned and outnumbered, driven by the cause of liberty and their desire for a free Texas. William Barrett Travis wrote this about the siege. I am besieged by a thousand or more of the Mexicans under Santa Ana. I have sustained a continual bombardment and cannonade for 24 hours and have not lost a man. The enemy has demanded a surrender at discretion. Otherwise, the garrison are to be put to the sword. If the fort is taken, I have answered the demand with a cannon shot. And our flag still waves proudly from the walls. And so he also fired a cannon and said, we will not give up. That was Congressman Chip Roy of Texas. Yesterday was the official declaration of the independence of Texas. Now, the battle was still underway. Here's what happened. There was a battle of San Jacinto prior to that that ended April 21. So that created the Republic of Texas because they won. But the war was not done as far as the Mexican army was concerned. And that's when the attack on the Alamo began on Feb 23 of the following year. And I should say the same year. And this Battle of San Jacinto actually ended the full rebellion after the Alamo. The Alamo fell before that, but as you have often heard, remember the Alamo. It's a matter of standing and fighting for principles you believe in. That's what it's all about. Not just Texas. It's this nation. It's you. As always, thank you for listening and remember our pledge. One nation under God. 